me pray. <laughs> uh, Jesus, thank you for this space and this time that we have to um, be together, uh, to hear from your word, to worship, and to remember who you are and what you have done for us and for this world. Be with us, we pray, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we just got a preview of the past. A preview. This was uh, chapter one, actually, that was read on accident. Um, so we're in chapter two. Um, <laughs> sorry about the mix-up, but I'll hit some of it, and it'll be on the screen as I speak, so we won't miss much. Um, I also really just want to say that I love this passage in Ephesians 2. It's been significant in my own faith journey in so many ways. Um, and I think it's really relevant to what's happening in our world today, in our country, um, and even internationally. Um, and I think the words that Paul writes both give me hope, but also challenges me. Um, and challenges like even my own view of who God is and the power of Jesus um, to bring sort of reconciled and, and um, transform our world. So and I'm also, it's like there's so much in this passage, and I'm only going to scratch the surface of it. So um, if you're wanting more, I encourage you to dig into it on your own and um, do that in some of your times with God. Um, but Paul's letter to the Ephesians speaks to really real socio-political reality. There's been this long division uh, between Jews and Gentiles, so anyone who's not Jewish. And uh, this sort of Jew and non-Jew kind of um, division and, and hatred. And I even think about like the events um, in the park. There's also continued shootings um, of unarmed black men in our country. Um, that happen day to day that we don't even see nationally. There's a long history in our country of division, and sometimes it's just hard to keep up with what's going on in the world today, what's going on um, even locally here in Sacramento. And a lot of it is related to ethnicity and culture. And, um, and anything that does not culture into uh, the community and people of God it's impacted how they were living out and following Jesus. So Paul opens this chapter, um, chapter 2, verses 11 to 22, um, reminding the Gentiles of the reality of the barriers they once encountered. He says, Therefore, remember um, that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcision by those who called themselves, which is done by, in the body by human hands, Remember that you at that time were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise with the hope and without, without hope and without God in the world. So in ancient times, the Jews believed that non-Jews could never participate in fullness in the community or the family of God uh, without circumcision. So they could like have salvation and experience God through like practices and different things, but they couldn't be fully grafted into the family of God without circumcision. Um, and this is significant to note because before Paul's time, before even Jesus came on the scene, um, when we read in the Old Testament, the only division in the temple um, 
that God had was between the priests and the laity, the people. So there was, but by the time we come to Paul, there's all these divisions with, um, there's a court for women in the temple, um, limiting access to God. There's court for the Gentiles that also limits access to God. So I think when, when Paul talks about this wall of hostility, we don't understand like the great impact um, of his words because we're coming into it cross-culturally. We don't have the same wall in our access to God because we have Jesus. But there were added barriers for, Jew, for non-Jews and for women. And so taking, um, so the other thing at this time was Paul was falsely accused of taking a non-Jewish person across one of those barriers, one of the wall barriers in the temple. And so this is like a super real thing. When he talks about this wall of hostility, this brings up so much for the people. Um, And it was so intense that anyone who brought someone past that barrier, the Romans even allowed the Jewish people to um, execute violators of that law. So it's like super powerful. Um, so they would undoubtedly know this symbol of the barrier between non and Jew, non-Jew and Jewish, between the dividing wall. Um, and then in addressing the dividing wall, Paul is reminding both the Jews and Gentiles of the power of Jesus on the cross that shattered down that wall. So when um, in the next part, he says, um, actually I'm going to read it. So for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with all its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile them both to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access Um, to the Father by one spirit. So he's saying, basically, that um, all these, uh, the circumcision and all the different, even for the, for non-Jewish folks to convert, but even for the Jews who, like, had access to God and had to, like, give atonement and, like, sacrifice things for different sins and all these different, like, regulations that were put on that, that was all taken in his body on the cross that they don't have to do that anymore. That that wasn't what made those regulations and things, wasn't what made them a part of the family of God, but it was Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus that brought them into that. The power to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power at work in this new humanity where Jewish believers and Gentile believers together and only together from the community in which the living God would be delighted to dwell and then he goes on to say, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens, God's people, also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is built together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built to become a dwelling in which God lives uh, by his spirit. So this is really powerful at this time because Paul is writing these words, um, arguing, arguing for this racial unity um, in Christ because Jews and Syrians were massacring each other in the streets of Caesarea at that time. Um, 
And Paul had, not, had just visited that city not that long ago. And so it's really like important for him that they hear this message, um, that we should not be divided. He doesn't simply talk about the issues sociopolitically, but he says, as believers, as the community of faith, as the family of God, we need to not be doing these things. He speaks to his people about the system that was developed in the family of God that created divisions um, and that they lived in day and day out. Um, So Paul's vision of this new kind of humanity created in Jesus, I think has powerful implications for us today. When I think about my own reactions and my own journey um, and all this, I'm kind of, like I said at the beginning, I'm faced with the ways that I continue to live like the wall of hostility is still there. I live behind that wall in my faith. Um, Specifically, I'm far more distrustful uh, and less forgiving of white Christians. Um, And I think that is not what this new humanity that God has created. I also see the ways that I live as though the power of Jesus Christ that died and rose again has no power over racial brokenness. And that has no power over our faith. I realize that in myself. And when I read Ephesians 2, I'm reminded that as a follower of Christ, I live in a reality where actually those walls have been broken down. They've been shattered, actually. Um, And I'm built together with believers from every nation, and even white Christians, (laughs) um, to become a holy temple where the Spirit of God dwells and lives. I'm challenged to kind of realize these words that Archbishop Desmond Tutu says. He says that differences are not intended to separate or to alienate. We are different precisely in order to realize our need for one another. And theologian Justo Gonzalez says, the church must be one because a fragmented church is not much help in a fragmented world. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us? How do we seek to live in this new humanity where all people of every culture and ethnicity find a home? And I think there are so many answers to this question. (laughs) I could go like all kinds of directions. I could say all kinds of things. Um, But I think one, it starts with recognizing where do we in ourselves um, not live into this new humanity because of our own walls, our own barriers that we either stay behind or create or rebuild. Um, but I think it's also allowing God to kind of break down the ways we engage our faith um, and the ways it's expressed in our faith community. So we see so many divisions in the Christian world, um, and not just related to culture and ethnicity, but definitely related to culture and ethnicity. And I think um, there's lots of experience that I've had, or even in my own thinking, where I see an expression faith, and I'm like, that's not of God. Um, or there's this whole thing, well, this is, this is okay, but this is not okay, because I do think there are that are not of God in um, all of everyone's culture and ethnicity. But I do think that God has fingerprints of himself in every culture and every um, ethnicity. So one of the most powerful experiences I have had, um, tarot and cocoa water coconut water. 
Um, so during this service, there were two folks who pounded kala. So you can see some of the pictures up there um, with the pohaku, which is the big rock on the corner, um, to prepare communion all during the worship time. Um, and a little bit as the pastor was still kind of talking and introducing communion. But I think as the kahu was explaining um, that for native uh, Hawaiians, bread and wine um, wasn't like a normal thing in their diet, wasn't really like something they had. Um, they were not foods that were foundational, um, but it was kalo and coconut water. And it never crossed my mind that you could have anything but bread and wine for communion. Um, as far as I knew, that was not okay. That was not of God. Um, but as the kahu read the passage and the scriptures and showed how Jesus' body was broken for the promise of Pharaoh, I got to see how the gospel narrative was embedded in Native Hawaiian culture. And taking communion and taro and cocoa water brings the gospel to life for Native folks in Hawaii. And it brought to life um, in a very new way, in a very powerful way, a bigger picture of who God is and how powerful his gospel is in all of the world. You see, um, our different expressions of faith do not help us to, or do help us to see a bigger picture of God. And it also helps us to see how uniquely and beautifully he has created all of humanity. I've experienced God in so many ways and, and, and new ways uh, through the Hawaiian community, um, healing ways on this two-week immersion and even beyond. I've kept a lot of those relationships um, and been learning a lot. Um, and it's helped me kind of even grow in my own embracing of who I am and my cultural and ethnic identity and how that's expressed in the organization that I work for, um, how that's expressed even here at City Life Church. Um, and I, I think my question for us is, are we open to seeing the gospel in ways that are different, maybe even uncomfortable, um, in order to live into this new humanity? Um, and to not create barriers that are made by human hands, but to seek the gospel and the truth in the expressions of faith that are different. Um, another thing... Um, in this experience was we learned a lot about how worship, um, sort of Christian missionaries in Hawaii, in a lot of ways, kind of stripped a lot of culture away. And it was all of these things that were not okay. And one of the things was hula. Um, and part of Hawaiian Christian and native Christians um, was that hula was uh, originally, before polytheism came into Hawaii, was a way of worshiping the true God, creator God, God who we know as God, creator God. And, um, and that that was actually an expression from who they are to worship God. Um, but it was stripped away in Christian, when Christian missionaries came around. And so part of the community and Christians in the community of Native Hawaiians to reclaim some of that, um, the, the truth of their history, but also like their culture was to engage in um, worship and uh, through hula. And so we got to experience that at um, uh, Ho'olohipono. And um, I actually wanted to kind of end my sermon by sharing a hula with you. Um, it's a seated hula. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to invite you to participate if you want. Um, no pressure if you don't. Um, you can just follow me. Um, if not, the 
um, the song is in uh, Olelo Hawaii and uh, Maori. So Hawaiian and um, Maori, which is a language in Aotearoa or New Zealand of an indigenous group in New Zealand. And um, so, yeah, I'm going to invite you to participate however you want. So if, if kind of doing the hula is a little uncomfortable, then try to sing the words of the song as it plays. Um, but I kind of do this because I want to invite us into what it could look like to sort of be this diverse, uh, reconciled, um, seeing bigger picture of who God is um, in community, especially as we think about our community at City Life, wanting to, to grow in diversity on all levels. Um, so, but I just, I feel like this has been, and I share this with you not as like cultural appropriation or like stealing from something. Um, it's something that's actually been really powerful in my own journey and sort of um, recognizing the bigness and the, the vastness of who God is and has been significant to me um, uh, in my own worship of God. So I might cry because it's significant, but um, I just want to invite you to do that because I think um, there are ways that we don't even realize how the culture of our Christian community um, can, be, can create those barriers. And so to just invite us to maybe try to break down some of the, our own uncomfortability with something that is different. So um, that's how I'm going to end. So. Um, and I, it's on, uh, so you guys can stay in your seats. Um, I'm going to be on the floor, so it might be hard to see me. Um, so that's all. Thank <laughs> you.